Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. These guys back in 1993 were calling it Greenboro Stadium, which is where the Kings started in Carolina. Therefore... <laughs> That's why Max Pacioretty got hurt. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Track and the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon. That is my co-host, Matt. Well, we are here with last year's host of the Aftermath and Stormwatch and one of the part-time hosts this upcoming season. A little breaking news if you guys didn't know that. But Dennis Cox from 99.9 The Fan, my buddy and former sort of (laughs) co-host. Thank you so much for taking the time to jump on here and uh, talk a little pain talking with us, buddy. It's good to be back on the mic with you again. I know, man. It's been a minute since you and I have joined each other and talking a little hockey. Oh, man, that was such good time. We had, I had well, a lot it, of fun doing it anyway. <laughs> the, the funny part is, is when... The series sucked. <laughs> well, yeah, well, the thing is, when Brandon joined me, Kane's ended up losing. So if you're looking for <laughs> uh, a reason, it's Brandon's fault. Yeah, just put it on me. Uh... Dennis, would you like a full-time role on this podcast? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I know, I'm sure, anyway, a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, have heard Dennis Cox behind the mic before. But a lot of times to start, we like to get a little bit of backstory, learn a little bit about the guy behind the mic. So to start out, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today as as a media personality? Uh, well, it's probably a good thing people don't know anything about me personally, uh, in all honesty. But I don't know that's that's actually a bit of a story in terms of how I got to where I am now. So I graduated college 2008 and I was in media full time. But that's also about the time when the economy decided to hate itself. And as a result, media jobs really dried up because a lot of businesses cut advertising. Therefore, a lot of media jobs got cut as a result. People, some places that I actually had worked for previously don't even exist anymore as a result of that. So I got laid off. And then actually, I, I played lacrosse through college and got into coaching full time as a result of that because there's just nowhere really, really for me to work. Fast forward about five years of doing that for a full time. I wanted to get back into media, moved back to North Carolina after being here coaching at Methodist for a couple of years, went to another school for a short bit. And you know what? My sister, my family were here, came to Raleigh, decided to really go back into media again. And that moved here to Raleigh eight years ago and been at 99.9 The Fan for seven years. And I produce, I host, I do all, I wear every hat that you can imagine in, in a multimedia station like Capital Broadcasting. That is true. I kind of forgot to mention the uh, probably uh, 
role you're most or at least as well known for is being adam gold's producer <laughs> that's right that's what i at this moment i currently do and also co-host culture state which is live on saturdays during the fall on the fan as well so yeah it's a a lot of a lot of things going on and then obviously with sports really kicking back up in the fall it just gets busier look at that pristine plug like a true professional right there dennis cox everybody oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like it's like this is his job right <laughs> Hey, this microphone in front of me, it's, uh, it's like uh, just natural now. Obviously, you know, we just talked about how you were working with the fan. Um, how did you get kind of roped into the role of, you know, doing the aftermath? And, you know, what was kind of that experience like this past year? Because I know dealing with fans after, you know, it used to be one of those things where you didn't tune into the aftermath because the fans were going to complain. But now that the team's good, it's like there's mm. positives, I, at least I would hope. Yeah, there are. So previously who did it was Alec Campbell. And I I played, I actually started playing hockey when I was in middle school a little bit. So I have a pretty decent hockey background in terms of playing, being a fan. And Alec, who used to be the producer for Adam Gold, was in the role. He transitioned into something else and it left the position open. And I had filled in for him previously uh, from different spots. If he had uh, was on vacation, I remember he also had his second child. So I was filling in him on spots, both pregame, postgame, and some during intermissions as well. And I had already done it. I was familiar with the format. I'm like, hey, Dennis does a good job. So insert Dennis. Here you go. Um, so just kind of plugged in. And that's kind of how I got to where I am. Just honestly, just being available. I mean, that's a big thing. I would say for especially media, but really any profession, being available is a big asset for yourself. And for me, that was what was beneficial because there was an opening. I proven I could do it. And they put me in there and for, you know what? It's the end of the season. I'm doing it. And then it's the the playoffs and it's kind of taken off from there. And I had the, the pleasure of working with Brandon for a short bit. <laughs> Good times indeed. The uh, hallmark of my career. Anyway. The pinnacle. Yes, the pinnacle. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Wait, a hallmark. It's, all, it's only downhill from here. Yeah, oh, yeah. trust me. All right. Well, I guess we should probably get into some Carolina Hurricane stuff. I mean, we are a Carolina Hurricanes podcast, so at some point we should probably get to the source material. We'll start with the offseason. You know, we talked a lot about it here, but I, I definitely just want to get your thoughts. You know, obviously the Hurricanes have had a busy one. They lost a couple of big pieces. They brought in some new big pieces. So we just want to get your general thoughts on what Don Waddell and the Hurricanes did this summer. I I would say they're busier than I thought they would be. In all honesty, I, that's the the big thing because you look at their their cap situation going into the off season. They were a cap team last year. By by saying that, they were pressed near the top of the cap, and it's not like they were able to shed a lot of salary um, you know, with free agent contracts. I mean, some guys did leave, like Vincent Trocheck did clear uh, a chunk of change, but not that much. But Nino Niederreiter, yeah, okay, that cleared up some space, but not a whole lot. We also factor in the um, to some of the guys that are going to be coming back. So not a whole lot of cap room to work with. And the one thing that people may not understand with the NHL, it is a solid hard cap. It's not like the NFL where like you can restructure in terms of this is salary cap, or this is a signing bonus. Therefore it pushes the cap number into future years or you add dummy years. No, it's, it's a hard cap. There's different than the NBA as well. So the fact that they were able to move some contracts, get Brent Burns, and was a big surprise. I don't think anybody really was expecting that. So the fact that they got him at the beginning of free agency and even got San Jose to, to pay some of that salary too, it's like, all right, well done. Uh, so I would say that 
basically just telling the Vegas Golden Knights, we'll take Pacioretty and Dylan Coughlin. Like, just just hand them over here. Yeah, future okay. considerations, a.k.a. like, we'll shoot you a text later. That's essentially what they gave them. Um, so yeah, the fact that they were able to bring these guys in, but also getting, I think, quality deals. Like, Andre Kasha at $1.5 million. It's a one-year contract. But when he's healthy, he's good, really good. But that's always a big question mark is, is his health. I think Kasha, if he's consistently healthy, gets a bigger deal. Um, Paul Stastny, getting him on also a $1.5 million contract, a veteran guy who I think could slot in right where Nito Niederreiter was playing last year alongside Jordan Stahl and Jesper Faust. It's a perfect fit. He also gives you some flexibility down the center of the ice. They made some good moves. I really do. But here's the thing as well. They're not done. They're just, they're not done making moves yet. The team that you see at the start of the season, it's going to change. I, I guarantee you right now, it's going to change because they were over the salary cap. Now, Max Pettoretti's injury, they're able to put him on long time IR, will free up some cap space. But when he gets healthy and he comes back, got to make moves somewhere. You have to do something with your cap. You got to move people in order to be able to get him back in. So they made a lot of good moves. They didn't really give up a whole lot. Yeah, you lost Vincent Trocek. That's a big loss, but I think it's only a big loss for the next two, two, three seasons. Uh, he wanted a seven, eight-year contract. He had seven in New York. I don't think they're going to like the last four and a half year, or last four years of that deal. So right. I think, in all honesty, I think overall they made quality moves, not just for now, but also, again, keeping the future of the franchise in mind because when you look down the line, one of the reasons why you couldn't give Vincent Trocek that long of a deal, A, if his, pl- his play will decline. But secondly, Ajo's going to be due for an extension. Slavin's going to be due for an extension. Brett Pesci's going to be due for an extension. Tabo Teravinen's going to be due yeah. for an extension. So those contracts <laughs> are coming team. up. Yeah, the, the, yeah, exactly. The core of your team, a big chunk of them, are going to be coming up with in two, three years. Yeah, next contracts three years. are up. Yeah, so you can't have – a Vincent Trocheck down the line in four years, five, six, and seven at six and a half million dollars. It's just not going to work for your team. So I think they make good moves now for not only this upcoming season, but also keeping the future in mind. Right. And it seems like while the Hurricanes may not always make like the splashiest, craziest moves, it feels like every offseason we're like, this was smart. They didn't mortgage the yeah. future. They made moves that aren't going to handicap them in the future. And, and again, with so many contracts up in the next three years, it's something we've talked about a lot the last few weeks, actually. They had to be very mindful of that. So I think, especially with, you know, you're hoping the cap's going to go up the next few years. You really hope they're going to be in a good position to keep this team competitive for a long time coming. So, yeah, in, in terms of the salary cap, the reason why it's been it stayed stagnant is because when the CBA – came up during the bubble season with COVID. The CBA expired. So part of the CBA in terms of revenue is 50-50 split amongst hockey revenue between the Players Association and the teams. And that's also why there's a salary cap floor. Teams have to spend a minimum also as well in the NHL. So part of that agreement is whatever the anticipated revenue for the team is that's factoring in national TV deals, regional sports networks, ticket sales, those kinds of things. Well, with COVID, nobody knew how long buildings were going to be empty. Nobody knew how many games were going to be played. So in order to make sure that caps didn't drop drastically, the, the, the players agreed to, okay, we're basically going to borrow on future years in terms of dollars. And that's the reason why the salary cap has stayed stagnant is because 
right now the the league, the NHL, the owners are recouping some of that money that they would have otherwise had gotten. So the players were able to do that. That's why was 14% or so of a player's salary goes immediately into escrow. Uh, that's right. that's part of that too. So I mean, the players, yeah, Aho makes 8.45 million. 14% of that goes into escrow. He doesn't see that. The the leagues are gonna end up or the teams are gonna end up keeping that. And then obviously taxes and all that stuff. So yeah, he might say 8.45 million. Trust me, he doesn't get that much. Um, so that's something that to keep in mind. But the cap should go up because the NHL had its most profitable year in terms of TV deals, league revenue was the biggest one. But that's also the reason why the cap stayed the same. So hopefully, if the NHL continues to grow with their deals with TNT, ESPN, and their RSNs continue to grow, the cap should grow over time. So I know I went deep in the weeds on that, but it's also something that people have to keep in mind a little bit when it comes to how these contracts are structured because teams also have to think as well, well, is the cap going to go up? How much is it going to go up? Do we know yet? Still things that figure out, and it's not easy for GMs. Well, and I do want to bring up two things that you you kind of touched on. Is one, you know, they they got better without getting rid of anything. Yeah. And that's true. I mean, they got the best thing they probably got rid of was a fourth line player and their second best goalie prospect. Okay. You know, that's nothing. Um, And then, you know, talking about the salary cap again, I mean, it's pretty likely that we'll see a small increase this year. Like, you know, maybe one to 2 million. I mean, I think this, this off season, it grew like 1 million. So I don't next know, year, flat. I think it stayed flat for this upcoming season. It stayed the oh, same shoot, as it was in 22. It? I thought there was like a small, like a little almost marginal difference. And even if it wasn't, I mean, you know, yeah. it's not like it really affected anything. But I, I do think we'll see small growth because this is probably going to be another profitable year for the NHL. Um, it seems like ESPN and TNT viewership's going up, which is really good. Mm-hmm. And then I also think, you know, 2024 when the cap goes up it's going to be a huge deal for the hurricanes because likely if that cap's going up you know three four million dollars that's another deal you can fit under the cap well yeah it's not only another deal you can fit under the cap but it's also for example seth jarvis is going to be restricted free agent in two years right it's it's the difference between like you know say maybe losing shade of free agency and possibly keeping him around or For instance, you know, I'm trying to think of who else like on the lineup is there or like, you know, for instance, you know, the thing I've always mentioned is like Jordan Stahl, his contract is up at the end of this year. Mm. He's not a $6 million player anymore. No, not anymore. He's likely a two to $3 million player. If the hurricanes elect to keep him, that's some salary cap relief right there. So this team has shown that they're very flexible with the cap and they can do the cap gymnastics that we keep hearing about. Which is why, you know, oh, and the other thing I wanted to say is if Jake Gardner's not healthy, that's extra cap relief, too. Um, I do keep wondering what's going to happen with him. We've heard nothing. And as far as we know, he's not in Raleigh yet. Well, all right. Here's something to keep in mind with Jake Gardner. The team did announce that he is fully healthy and fully cleared. Therefore, you can't put him on long term IR unless he gets injured again. So that's Mm. out of the out of the books. And the the buyout window is already passed. So to buy out the last year of his contract, that window is already gone. My guess is the team is looking to looking to find 
Uh, the Canes are looking to find a team that needs to get to the salary cap floor. Uh, you know, for example, it might be in Arizona or a team that needs to to make sure that they have enough money on the books in order to be cap compliant, which is kind of weird to say because usually it's teams are trying to shed salaries to get below the cap. Some teams got to get above the floor. Uh, so, hey, here's Jake Gardner. Here's a third round pick. Uh, send us back a seventh. Yeah, it's you're going to you're likely to see a move like that potentially, which will clear over four million dollars for this team. Which, if you factor in, once Max Petrady comes off long-term IR, there's your there's your cap space to bring him back. So that is something that you, people should probably look to see early on at some point during training camp. Okay, he's not back in Raleigh right now. Fine, training camp doesn't start until September what? In like two weeks? September like the 21st, 20th? Yeah. Something along those lines, 21st? So that's when camp starts. If he's not here in Raleigh now, fine. Whatever. He can, he can show up the day of. Who cares? But he's still under contract with his team, and he is considered healthy. So, no, he's not going to go on long-term IR uh, because the, he's already been cleared. If he has a setback, though, or, like, you know, say, like, for whatever – like, if, if he doesn't pass his physical, for instance, like at the start of camp, that's then a concern. And probably – I don't know how that works. Like, you obviously, like you said, don't get a buyout window, but that is something to keep in mind that these players do have to pass a physical. And even though they're cleared to play, it might not mean that they're ready for NHL action. Well, yeah. I mean, passing your physical and being fit ready for NHL action are two different things. Generally passing your physical is just making sure that you don't have anything injured, nothing lingering, no, like how does your blood work come back, all that kind of stuff. That's what physicals essentially are. Um, But in terms of, you know, passing the conditioning test, that kind of thing. But as far as I know, Jake Gardner has been skating, you know, on his own. So unless something happens between now and when the camp starts, the guy's on the roster. Simple right. as that. Now he has one year left on his deal. Again, he's not going to skate for this team this year. I can just tell you right that he's not going to skate unless he just all of a sudden just has this random leap of just <laughs> of, of, of his level of play. Now, granted a couple of years ago, he apparently was playing through a back injury, which is what kept him out this past season. Um, but still, I just don't, I just don't see it especially with when they bring in guys like Dylan Coughlin, they still have Ethan bear on the roster, Jalen Chatfield guys who are just better and they want to play young guys that they want to work in the system. So yeah, Jake Gardner's not going to be here. He's they're going to find a home for him. They're going to have to give something up to give him away. Again, they're going to have to attach an asset to move the guy, but that's, that's kind of how it works. That's you see it a lot in the NBA. Hey, here's an asset to take this contract off our books. Just give us back a little, give us a future consideration. Send us the future consideration that we gave Vegas. <laughs> just send that right back to us. Just shoot us a text message and we'll call it even. That's essentially what you got to do. That honestly yeah. might happen. Yeah. Arizona is on a quest to acquire all 224 picks in next year's draft. They're well on their way. <laughs> Yeah, and they 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 have erased a good chunk of other teams' picks already. So, uh, what's an extra, you know, second and third round pick to them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what's an extra pick? Okay, well, you brought up one like kind of interesting storyline to watch as camp opens, and and I do think there's a lot of intrigue just around. Yeah, I had actually written an article just this week talking about Hurricanes X factors and. I didn't really have a lot of confidence in it, but I said, you know, in a perfect world, or if he was able to become the Jake Gardner that used to put up 35, 40 points a season, and again, no, not very likely, 
But there would be a role for that guy on this Hurricanes team because I don't know yeah. who their second power play quarterback is. I don't know who the – like, Rod Brindamore likes having left-right balance on his defense pairs, and right now it doesn't look like there's a left defense, left-handed defenseman on that third pair. you got three options that all look like good options. They're all right-handed. So, again, yeah. theoretically speaking, there's, there is – would be a role for a healthy, productive Jake Gardner. But I, I do think that third defense pair um, battle in training camp is one of the more intriguing – storylines as camp opens and i wanted to get your takes what do you think do you think there's any others that really bear watching as we get close to camp and now you say bear watching i feel like you're leading me into talking about ethan bear <laughs> uh which is interesting because he started last year pretty good i'd say uh but unfortunately after he caught covid he caught covid pretty bad like he was yeah. pretty symptomatic and it, it just it really took him a while to really get back going and then when he started to a little bit he got injured um, and he just never got back up to really being fit, even though he was healthy. Um, and he was, that's right. He was a healthy extra throughout the entire playoffs uh, because again, his, his play kind of dropped. So I'm intrigued by him. He's still what, 24, 25 years old. But Dylan Coughlin's the one that kind of sticks out a little bit to me because that a lot of people feel like with Vegas, that was the thing of hey, attaching the asset to the contract getting rid of Patrick's contract, even though Patrick is still a really good player and he's a great goal scorer, but taking on $7 million, you, you got to have a little something in return. That little something in return with it was Dylan Coughlin. So I'm, in, I'm intrigued by him. Now, when it comes to third line, I'm sorry, third pairing left defenseman, eh, dime a dozen in all honesty. Um, and then honestly, a right-handed guy playing on the left side, it's not the first time we'd seen it in Carolina. For example, you go back to the playoff run in 2018, 2019, who was that second defensive pair? It was Brett Pesci and Justin Falk. Yeah. Both right-handed guys. Justin Falk playing. I think it was actually maybe even Brett Pesci was playing on the offside. But either way, you had two right-handed guys as your second pair. Guys can guys who are good enough can can maybe play on that offside. But you know, finding a, a third pair left defenseman, that's like finding a fourth wide receiver in the NFL. There's a plenty <laughs> of them. All right. Like you can, right. I guarantee there, there might be, but also that might be part of a deal of when you send Jake Gardner and like this second round or third round pick to a team, like, Hey, send us that really cheap left-handed third pair defense guy. 22 you know, year old kid. that can't really like crack the league at something like that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so there's, there's guys who are just a, a veteran. For example, last year they had, you know, uh, was it Brendan Smith? They signed last year for 800,000 yeah. bucks just before training camp. That's kind of why I was surprised Smith didn't come back to that end. Like I, I thought he was the kind of depth player. They almost could have used having back as a seventh guy that you can slide in in case one of those young defensemen can't cut it on the right left side. <clears throat> I, yeah, that's, that's a good point. But I also think as well as that the Canes really couldn't afford to sign him because in all the moves yeah. that we mentioned earlier, sure. they were already pressed to the cap and above. So even a million dollar contract for him, when you factor in Jalen Chatfield as an NHL contract, Ethan Bear, and yeah, all the Dylan Coughlin, like it's just for you know you really do start getting backlogged. Um, right. Only so many guys can make a roster. Well, and it's clear that the team wanted to, you know, perfect example as well as they clearly wanted to bring back Derek Stepan, but they don't have the cap to do that because he's on a PTO. Yeah, so exactly. We, I, yeah, Stepan will probably start could the year play in on any team in this in the NHL yeah. and be an effective player. He, he might even be like a third. He was a fourth line player here. He'd be a fourth line player. Hell, he'd be on Arizona's top line next year. <laughs> Probably. I mean, but I'm I, not going to lie. Like, Brandon, you may have to get skates on and try out for the Coyotes this year, man. Uh, 
I would. Um, I, I skated the other day for the first time in a while, and I okay. felt like shit. Okay, well, maybe not. But then again, you're going to watch the Coyotes this year and be like, man, I passed up on this great opportunity. could have made that team. <laughs> you could have chased a bag there, my friend. Give him an amateur tryout contract. Right. Yeah, just give me a, it's, yeah. It's, But that's the thing. It's like the Canes clearly have a vision. They want to bring in these players i personally think they don't need to bring in a left-handed defenseman i think going with ethan bear and dylan coglin is going to be great i think uh even if you go with ethan bear to jalen chatfield chatfield coglin like any of those three guys could legitimately play you've added you know william lagason had a tough year but he was playing defense on the edmonton oilers and montreal canadians You'd have a rough year playing defense on those teams anyways. So he's a guy that has NHL experience that could step in. Um, There was another guy they brought in and his name, like I wrote about him like three days ago and now Max Lejoie played a handful of games for the Canes, you know, obviously not the first. So you're talking about a new addition. (laughs) No, sorry. I I forgot that he, well, he re-signed with us this offseason. Yeah, you know, I feel like Chatfield is kind of the guy that keeps getting kind of like glossed over in this conversation. But like, dude, every time he was in the NHL last year, I was like, yo, more of that. Like, I like Chatfield a lot. Like, he's fast. He can contribute at least a little offensively. He's got a little grit to his game. Like, I didn't really see any big flaws in his game, especially for a third pairing defenseman. I feel like you could do a hell of a lot worse. Like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. You can do worse. I mean, obviously. You could be like, well, you can always do better. But yeah, it's, I mean, he, but that's what he is, though. He's a, yeah, sixth, seventh guy. That's yeah. what he is. And yeah, he plays that role fine. But yeah, he's, he's a sixth, seventh guy. And that's really about his ceiling. Right. But, and back to Coglin, too. I do, I almost kind of want to see him get a shot on that second pair or second power play unit because I do feel like his shooting ability is something the Hurricanes maybe have kind of identified because, I mean, everything I've looked up on the guy. I've tried to watch as much of him as I could, even though that's not admittedly been a ton. But the dude has scored every level he's been at, except for the NHL, which he's pretty, you know, inexperienced at this level to this point. But juniors, AHL level, this dude absolutely filled it up. And I think there could be some untapped potential there, which the Hurricanes have done a good job of identifying guys like that. So I'm really excited to see what he can bring to the team this year, too. You know, guys that shoot the puck on the power play, you can't have too many of them. Especially the way the power play struggled in the playoffs. Like, guys, sometimes, you know what? Just shoot it. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, that's that also is something Patch that Reddy's I want to ask you about, actually, Dennis. Now that now yeah. that you bring it up, you, you just brought up, and I had a light bulb go off here. Is the power play better than it was last year? And is it going to be better in the playoffs? <laughs> Because the power play was really good in the regular season last year. And then for whatever reason, uh, Tony D'Angelo kept shooting into the shin pads, passing it to Spetch, who would also shoot it into shin pads and doing the same thing. Like, is it better? Um, I'd like to think yes. I mean, because I think Brent Burns drastically changes it in that regard. No no offense to Tony D'Angelo. But D'Angelo getting hurt late last season was a big hurt to the power play as well and i think brent burns is a guy who loves to shoot the puck and can get the puck on net and i was really excited to see uh patch ready on this power play and i'm we'll be excited to see when he does come back because 
the Canes generate chances. Yeah. No doubt about that. But having the guys that can score it and finish them, that's what they need. And that's what Patrick was brought in to do. And unfortunately, he's hurt. But I will say this one of their, probably you can argue, you could probably say their best natural finisher uh, outside of Patrick is Seth Jarvis. And Seth Jarvis last season obviously took him a little bit to get going, had that little rookie slump for a bit. But him getting better, going from year one to year two, you have to anticipate some of these young guys are still going to get better. For example, you still have to anticipate that Svetch is going to get better. Ajo's still a little bit better. Table's still a little bit better. Jarvis continuing to get better. Sometimes it's just guys that you already have just themselves improving, taking those natural steps forward, at least that you anticipate. I'm curious to see what they change up in terms of tactics, in terms of strategy, how they position guys, um, where they want to initiate, how guys can – do they want guys moving around a little bit more? Because sometimes, you know, Brandon and I talked about this a lot, the power play, they just – five guys standing in five spots, yep. not a whole lot of movement, uh, and that makes things easier to defend. So I, I anticipate, yes, that overall will be better and, and can't get much worse than what they were in the playoffs. Let's be real. So I anticipate that they will be better, but that's a, that's a time will tell type thing. And I mean, 82 games, it's a long season. You're going to have ebbs and flows for sure. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think overall, I think it will be better overall. I think it was around like December, maybe January last year, the power play kind of yeah just took a nosedive and then it came back. Yeah. It took a little bit of a dip, came back and then like March straight. Yeah. Down. I do think Burns brings a different kind of dynamic, more like what they have when mm-hmm. Dougie Hamilton was here because D'Angelo, very, very good offensive defenseman, but maybe not like just that kind of gravitational pull you see from a player like Steph Curry in the NBA, you know, the kind of shooter that you like have to pay so much attention to, which in turn opens things up for other players. And I mean, Burns has really developed as a playmaker. He wasn't really known for that early in his career, but he's gotten really, really good at passing too. So I think they're going to be more well run more of a well-oiled machine and it's not a talent issue like we know how much skill the hurricanes have on those units so i think there's a lot of potential there for that unit to take a big step forward yeah burns definitely is better at getting shots through yeah that's true which is given how the the sheer volume of shots the canes take from the blue line on the power play and even at even strength that's immediately going to make a difference because uh-huh. more shots are going to be getting on net. There's going to be more rebounds. There's going to be more deflections, you know, all of that. And, and Burns is a guy who's not afraid to jump up in the play either. Yeah. He's not afraid to, to get around the net too, which I think very is good add, hands. Yeah. For I, think a big guy. Add, yep. I think it's going to add something a little bit different that the Canes haven't had. And when you have Slavin's going to be his defense partner, that guy's a rock. So he going to have a little bit more, and have a lot of freedom to jump up in the blind go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think that is such a perfect fit. And I do want to go back to one other thing you kind of mentioned a minute ago. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about the additions, but just to at least kind of put a little bow on this. But I do think perhaps the biggest storyline for the Hurricanes this year will be the development of guys like Jarvis, Martin Natchez, and Andre Sveshnikov. Because, Jack Drury. you know, and Jack Drury, sure. Um, But like having those guys step up and especially, you know, in Pacioretty's absence, this is kind of a point I've made before. It's like now there are bigger roles for all those guys to fill probably. So like in the meantime, if those guys can step up to the challenge, when Pacioretty gets back, you're only that much better for it. Right. Because then you've got so much. I mean, 
they've got a ton of skill. You know, that's not going to be an issue. But adding adding that got kind of firepower when you're getting down the stretch run, that could really be potentially what pushes the Hurricanes over the top this year. Patch Reddy is essentially going to be like a trade deadline acquisition that you didn't have to give up anything for. Yeah. Well, you didn't have to give up yeah. anything in the consideration. Yeah, exactly. The the text message that you're sending to the Vegas Golden Knights. When in February he comes back, you just send him a text saying thanks. That's all you you're, have to do. You're That's giving up exactly as much to get him back in February as you did this offseason. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. So he's essentially going to be just a midseason acquisition. And I think that's also going to be an exciting thing because you look at the you know, when trade deadline approaches, depending on where the canes are, hey, what moves you gotta make and add this. Hey, by the way, Patch Reddy's coming right back. And that's 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 going to be a blessing in disguise. Obviously, hopefully he's healthy. Torn Achilles, you know, how's that going to impact his play? How many minutes can he skate each night? Obviously, going to build him back up. But the fact that he's going to be coming back, and if he's getting into a rhythm, full speed, come April when the playoffs start, big time bonus. Yes, no doubt. All right, Dennis. So you know we've picked your brain on the offseason moves. Mm-hmm. We've talked about your path here. Now you're on the hot seat. Oh. The literal hot seat because we're asking for your hot takes here. Okay. I don't know if this is a hot take. Um, I think it's more of a prediction for this upcoming season. Uh, Martin H scores 50 plus points. That's, that's a hot take given his past yeah. year. <laughs> no, I never said he'd do it all with the Canes, but he's going to have 50 plus points this season. <laughs> that's all getting right, in the hot take territory there. You know, I, 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 he is a player we haven't talked about like at all, but. I, I this is a huge year for him, obviously. Yeah. You know, this was a guy we expected to probably be getting a lot more money this past offseason. Obviously, he had to settle for that bridge deal, but he's the pressure's on him now. Like he's got to prove if he has a second bad year in a row, like the questions are really gonna arise about what his NHL future is. And it probably yeah. isn't gonna come in Carolina. So this is a huge year for him to prove he can not only be like a key piece on a very good team, but also can produce in the playoffs because that's not something he's done to this point in his career. Can you be a top six forward? This is your chance to prove that right now. Yes. Can you be and a top again, six forward? And again, like we just said with Patch already going down, he's like one of the biggest guys that like opportunity boom right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, yeah. For example, he's probably going to be skating. If you look top line right now, if you look at Ajo's fetch Jarvis, that second line is going to be Tara Vinen, Kokaniemi, Natchez? Could be. Like, here's your thing. That's it. Otherwise, in the third line, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, you know, stall with Foss and either, you know, Stastny or Kasha. That put, I mean, if you're not one of those top six forwards, you're getting fourth line minutes, man. Like, and you are too skilled, too talented to, to just be a fourth line guy. Right. Simple as that. So, yeah, it's a big season for him. But, yeah, I think, I think he gets 50-plus points this season. I like it. My hot take for this season is that Auntie Ranta gets hurt and Pyotr Kochekov steals the backup job from him. Ooh. Or a 1B job, even. <laughs> no, because Anderson's more than likely you're right, you're right. brought in here to be that. Like, I think Maniscalco, I listened to Kane's cast today. He, he put it in a pretty good way is like that 60 to 65 start guy that you play every night in the playoffs. Right. Like that's Anderson this season. Ronta proved that he's not that guy this past year. He's really good, but he's not that good. 
he's a compliment. He's a great compliment. Yeah. That's like, what he is. He's a one B. Absolutely. Yeah. It's you know, sometimes you see it, sometimes you see in football, you like you have that, that top running back that gets 20, 25 touches. We have that complimentary back that gets 12, yeah. 15, but are effective touches. That's what Ronza is. My it's former like the Panthers had uh oh god, what were their names? It's been forever. It was oh, Jonathan had, Stewart uh, and I can't think Jonathan of the other Stewart guy. and uh D'Angelo Williams, uh right? Yeah, Williams. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I can't remember his last name. Like that's that's the perfect example where they had two great running backs and you know, we're able to use them kind of interchangeably. Or like my good uh, friend and fellow high school or fellow high school student. We went to the same high school together, whatever the hell you call it. Uh, Naheem Hines. Good example. You went to Garner, Brandon? (laughs) He went, he graduated or or, uh, he transferred from Leesville to Garner. He went to Leesville. He might've only been his freshman year, but I was a senior Uh, when he was a freshman anyway. So I I think he left after that year and went to Garner and I was gone at that point. I, I was trying to convince him to go to Duke so hard. He was actually offered by Duke and was apparently talking to Cuckley. Anyway, getting off the rails here. Well, he made the right choice. Yeah, he did. It's, it's cool. My just pretty simple hot take is for the first time since the 2005-2006 season, the Hurricanes will have a 100-point player. And I'm not going to say oh. it's 100% Ajo. I think it might be Andre Svechnikov. Okay. That is that's a hot take. It's pretty hot. <laughs> I mean, you're looking at Ajo's the only player that's gotten close. And I think his career <laughs> high is like 84. Nine. I think it's 89. Yeah, I think right? it's about 89. Yeah, Ajo to me seems like the most logical. He's the most logical choice. Him. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because if he's able to crack 40 goals, oh. I think he gets 60 points or 60. Actually, Dennis, Matt was right. His career high in points is 83. Is it only 83? <laughs> that's not super close. Why did I think? Remember, he, he wasn't that in? much above a point per game. Yeah. Well, it he's going to have to make like a pretty big leap, but that's games. okay. I'm not backing off of it. Maybe it's Fetchnikov, dude. I keep I keep saying it. He's the most singularly talented hur- hurricane I've ever watched. That's my opinion. In terms of raw talent, he's at the top. And I think at some point in his career, everything's going to click. And you know what? It may not even be like an every season thing, but at some point, I think – look at Matt Kachuk last year. I don't think he's a 100-point player every season. But he had a freaking monster season, had 102 points. I think Svechnikov and Kachuk are very, very similar players. I don't see why he couldn't break the 100-point barrier. Just my okay. two cents. Okay. <laughs> All right. So are we going to move on to Cox's Kane's conspiracy? Yes. Oh, I'm going to give you guys an exclusive here. Okay. <laughs> give you guys an exclusive here. I'm going to play a – an audio cut for you all. I want to make sure I play the right one here. So what I'm about to play for you guys is from December 28th, 1993. Okay, I'm like, oh, deep in the weeds. December 28th, 1993. This is actually um, from KLSX, which is a rock station that was located in Southern California in the LA area. Okay? They used to air the Howard Stern Show back in the day. Well, someone local was giving sports updates Again, this is in L.A., December 28th, 1993. Give it a listen. Helping the Clippers with 96-86 win over the 76ers last night. Tonight, it's the Canucks from Vancouver in to skate against the Kings in UCLA. We'll take on North Carolina State at Greenboro Stadium. There it is, at Greenboro Stadium. Okay, so if you think about this, 
All right. Where does NC State play? PNC Arena. Where do the Canes play? PNC Arena. UCLA canceled their game because of COVID against NC State in their bowl game, the Holiday Bowl. These guys back in 1993 were calling it Greenboro Stadium, which is where the Canes started in Carolina. Therefore, <laughs> That's why Max Pacioretty got hurt is because these guys, these guys, it's UCLA. It's Southern California's fault. These guys are the reasons why this rock station in Southern California. I thought you were about to say the, this is the reason why they moved from Hartford and then you went a completely <laughs> different direction. I know. I was thinking something along those lines too, especially in the 90s. I mean, that was like, what, right or right a couple of years before the Canes moved. It was four years Hartford before the move was right. <laughs> no. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Cox's Canes Conspiracy. A very, a very. Conspiracy very <laughs> uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a hell of a lot of fun. And I hope this makes up for some of our boring ass episodes the last couple of weeks. Um, Dennis, oh. we want to say thank you again so very much for taking the time to come on here. If you got anything you want to plug to our listeners, now is the time. Uh, follow me on Twitter at the fan rookie. And also, if you can, give a listen to Culture State Podcast. It comes out every Wednesday. Uh, me and my co-host, Chris Lee, we discuss everything in the state of North Carolina. And we have guests on, whether it's music, entertainment, sports, whatever it is. We just we celebrate all things North Carolina. We've had a couple of Canes people on in the past. Like, we've had Shane Willis. We've had Trip Tracy on. Uh, we get into all, a little bit of all of it. And we're also live on Saturdays on 99.9 The Fan from 10 to noon. So you can listen to us on there or WREL Sports Fan. You can stream us there as well. Thanks to Dennis. Check him out. He really is the man. You know who else you should check out? The DraftKings Sportsbook. Tracking the Storm is a proud part of the Hockey Podcast Network. And we are brought to you by our friends over at DraftKings. So we are going to take just a second and hear a word from them. The time has finally come to all my fellow football fans out there. The first Sunday of the NFL season is finally, finally here. And you know with the coming of the first week of the NFL season, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. $200 on a $5 bet? Sign me up for that. As an added bonus for week one, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. If you bet on an NFL team to win and that team leads by 10 at any point during the game, even if they end up losing, you get paid right away. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes wherever you get our podcast for important details. Folks, we want to thank you for your time this week. We are so close. Next weekend is the Prospects Showcase. Next week when we record, we probably will have the Prospects roster release. And after That's that, it. we do have another Canes Media member that is scheduled to come on. I think you guys are really going to enjoy that one, too. So definitely be on the lookout for that. And one last note, if you like us, we do have a link to our Venmo and our uh, bio on Twitter. You know, uh, it's tough out here. If you like us and you can donate, hey, that'd be great. Leave us a tip, whatever. If not, don't worry about it. We love you anyway. But uh, it is on Venmo at TTS underscore pod. 
if you're feeling friendly today. Just saying. We we will love you more. If, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> probably true. Yeah, probably. We want to thank you so much for your time, taking the time to listen to us every week, whether it's your first time, whether it's your what what episode are we on now? Probably well over a hundred at this point. We're coming up. Well, no, our two year anniversary will be um, February. February. Yeah. So we're, we're not like, quite at we're not quite like a year and a half we're old. Probably, we're probably like eighty. We're like almost twenty in dog years. Like, that's something. Or no, no, we're not. Math. We're like ten in dog years. Your math is terrible. Yeah, we're like twelve in dog years. Listen. Uh, I can't argue. All right. But anyways, folks, this is getting off the rails. We appreciate you (laughs) for checking in every week. And I'm just going to let Dennis take it away. It's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan.